0: I was the product of their affair. My mom was of me. My siblings thinking I was the reason for them have a broken family.
1: But my dad, there was just hardly any contact. I never heard him tell me he was proud of me. Didn't come to most of my ball games or I was in music in high school and that wasn't his thing either. So kind of felt like I was a disappointment. To him
0: but my parents also addicted to the gambling
1: for a guy who only had two traffic tickets in his whole life going to jail was not me <laughs> it was the worst experience of my life um that was my bottom yeah that was definitely my bottom
0: in the car i talked to god i said okay i'm gonna try your way but i give you 90 days you only have a 90 days if things not happen i'm out of here
2: So you gave God an ultimatum.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Have you ever packed a large suitcase, taken a trip, worn your clothes, got them dirty, sweated in them, used them, and then packed them back in the suitcase along with your clean clothes that you didn't use? What happens when you arrive back home? Open the suitcase. Have you ever noticed the smell? It stinks, doesn't it? And not just the dirty clothes, but the clean clothes too. The smell is transferred all through the suitcase. Now, think about your life and all the baggage from your past that you carry with you through your life. Now think about your marriage. You have baggage and your spouse has baggage. Some of that baggage smells and it contaminates your marriage. Sometimes it causes all kinds of wreckage. How do we deal with all that stinky baggage? How do we heal from the pain that baggage causes? Not only us, but the people around us. These are the questions that I want to ask our guests today as they share their life change story with us. I'm Eric Hutchinson, and this is the If Nothing Changes podcast. So, hey, friends, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the listeners who you are?
1: Hey, Eric, thanks for having us. I'm a blessed believer in Jesus. I have struggled with fear, anxiety, anger issues, and chemical addictions. My name's Steve. Hey, Steve.
0: Hey, Steve. Hi, Good to see everybody in the air and I'm grateful to believe in Jesus Christ. I struggled with fear, anxiety pride and Shane, and my name is Annie Hopkins. Well
2: hi Annie, hi Steve and thank you guys so much again for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited about sharing your life change story with uh, everyone and Annie I'm going to start with you because if you if there's a listener listening they could tell whenever you started talking that you're not from Arkansas and (laughs) uh, I can tell you that uh, I want to hear where you're from, where were you born, tell us a little bit about your family you know did you have any siblings you know in, in your mom and dad just tell us a little bit about your about your youth
0: sure uh i was born in taiwan and i grew up in taiwan all together including me we have a seven sub number six but uh there are five of them from my mother's previous marriage yeah yeah and then
2: yes. did you all live together in the same household or not
0: No, when I grew up, when I was born, uh, the oldest one was 20 years older than me. Wow. yeah so quite yeah. a bit older quite, than you. yeah they have it my parents has a quite a big story over there too <laughs> yeah
2: Wow so in Taiwan now um, I don't know a lot about Taiwan but I'm sure that they have differences in their culture and probably some of their beliefs and that sort yeah. of thing How are things different in Taiwan than over here in America so when you were growing up I mean you know kids here in America grow up differently than what I'm sure you grew up what right. were some of the differences?
0: Um, Okay, so the big differences is what I grew up in Taiwan is more, we be taught that if we want to be successful, it's money, power, and status. So study harder can change your life because a lot of people from Taiwan, actually, they were migrant from China and after World War II, the revolution So a lot of immigrants from China to Taiwan, they came with nothing. So they want their second generation to be changed through the education, through uh, earning a lot of money. And so that's how I learned. There was only one way to success is to have a lot of money.
2: Is the work ethic a little bit stronger in Taiwan than it is over here, maybe?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then... um, Work is the life.
2: How about school? Is, do they go year-round there, or do they have summer breaks? And they do have
0: they? a summer break. Oh, they, do. they do have a winter break. And, um, but there was a lot of after-school program just to get a kids ahead.
2: So what was it like growing up in your family? So you had mm-hmm. you said there were seven, but your your oldest was 20 years older than you, so right. maybe he moved out or something, I don't know. But tell me, what was it like? Did you have a good relationship with your siblings, with your brothers and sisters, or did you guys fight like cats and dogs?
0: <laughs> so my situation is a little bit different. Uh, my mom had an affair with my dad before before they... Before she divorced to her ex-husband, okay. So uh, she find out she was pregnant with me. So she ran away mm-hmm. with my dad, and then so um, so she's always has this guilt to other semblance that she left behind. So and also I was the product of their affair. So. Uh, I got lots of blind. Um, my mom was shaming me. My siblings thinking I was the reason for them have a broken family. So I didn't understand when I was growing up why they always pick on me, why my mom has distance, always showing the distance. I didn't feel love from my mom or my dad. And after I know the story, now I understand, yeah.
2: So did you have a younger, or were you the, you you said you were number six? So right. there was someone that there was, was younger. a younger. Yes. Yeah. How I, was that relationship?
0: Uh, with the younger sister, I always a jealous to her because she get all the ten. She got all the tensions, and also she has a better relationship with the elder semblance, Yeah.
2: So was there any religion in your family at all, uh, or was God not even a part of your family?
0: Um, there was a. You know, Taiwanese has a lot of gods there. So, yeah, there was a Buddha. There was some Taoism. There was a Macau. So, yeah, we don't have, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have one religion. There was multiple religions who, whatever they can, um, they can make a wish to get their fortune. So, and then also fortune tellers and, um they also do a lot of fortune tellers. Yeah.
2: What did your mom believe?
0: My mom believed um, Buddha.
2: Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was it like growing up in school? Did you, did you guys, whenever your mom had you into your, your family, did you guys stay in one house all the way through your adolescence or did you um, move around?
0: Uh, we stay in one house, but my parents also addicted to the gambling. Yeah, so um, my dad actually had a really good job with government. He was a government officer. But in my memory, there was a lot of times we, we all ran out of money, not even finished, not even the month's end. We ran out of money because the gambling issue, they... They lost again, and then there was a lot of fighting, conflict in our family. And um, when they lost the money, they also lost their temper, too. And um, I became some place for them to get out their anger. Yeah, so there was some physical abuse and verbal abuse when I grew up. Yeah. Wow. I think it, there was a lot of guilt and shame in her because the affair, so she used the gambling to numb those feelings, yeah, Mm. and she's always overcompensated to my elder semblance, those vibes, yeah, she wanted to do more for them.
2: So I know by the way you introduced yourself, and I know you, that you are a Christian Mm. now, was there any God, did you, can you look back and see where God was working in your life then, or was that way later in your life?
0: So there was an the interesting story. When I was five, there was a missionary in our area, and I went to the Sunday school there. And that was the first time I felt about Jesus, and I felt a love. However, we moved away, and then that—so um, that stopped. Yeah, we moved away, and I forget about all that until uh, I moved to U.S., Moved to Northwest Arkansas in um, 2009.
2: So tell me, what were the circumstances in which you moved to the United States, and was Arkansas the first place that you moved, or did mm-hmm. you move around after you came to the states?
0: So there was another story about myself. <laughs> um, I grew up in this dysfunctional family. When I couldn't get love from my parents, I I have you know I was seeking love from outside the family. So. I fall in love with a man that I thought it was um, my lifesaver, and I got married with this man and his family. And then, uh, in Taiwan, the culture is different. If you are the firstborn son, that you uh, obligate to live with your parents. And, yeah, and then so I live with his parents, and they're a very powerful family. Um, much wealthy, much wealthy than our uh, than my biological family, so they look down to me because I'm fine. Or I found lowercase to marry up to them. Uh, there was a lot of conflict between um, my mother in law and me, my ex mother in law and me, and she's the matriarch of the family, and uh, there was a lot of conflict and um, put my Ex husband in the middle, and then she and then he finally had affair, and I decided to. That's it. I I decided that's enough, and I um I wanted to get divorced. So um, I had asthma, and uh, um, they sent me my at my ex husband and my mother in law. They took me to ER, and they drove me there, and they just dropped me there and left wow yeah so that was that was it that was it i felt like i they don't treat me as a family
2: so was that in taiwan that was was in taiwan that was in taiwan so what was the circumstances that got you into the united states
0: uh walmart (laughs) (laughs) that my job yes and then um i was working for walmart their buying office in Taiwan, and I got an opportunity to move to US to work in work in the US. And then I thought that, that was my opportunity to uh, to gain the wealth, to gain the power, so I can I could went back to Taiwan to fight the um, to fight for my son to get him here.
2: Yeah. So you have a son. Yeah, as well. I had a son. Yeah. So and that was from your ex-husband, correct? Yes, yes, correct. So how old is your son now? Twenty-six. Okay. So whenever you came to the states, how old was he?
0: He was uh, five.
2: So he was young. Yeah, he
0: was very young. Yeah.
2: yeah. So what did all of that tell Annie about herself?
0: I was the failure, and I was a terrible mother, and um, my marriage was fall- was. Terribly falling apart, and I would never be success, and I came from a broken family, and that's my destiny.
2: So I'm going to push a pause button on you first, and I'm going to move over to Steve, but why don't you tell us where you grew up and uh, a little bit about your family.
1: Okay, Um, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio in the 1950s, times were a lot different than they are now, Um, and my experience and growing up is really a lot different than Annie's, which plays a role in our story. Um, so I had uh, a, one brother, older, and my parents, and um, we had a pretty normal family early on when I was uh, small. Um, we went to church. My mom was a spiritual leader. Uh, my dad went to church. He was, you know, in my early years, we all went to church every Sunday. Um, but my mom was my spiritual foundation uh, in my life. And um, uh, so about um, when I was in the fourth grade, things started changing in my house. It got very dark. Um, I didn't understand it because I was so young, but um, you know, I figured it out since then. You know, My dad was dealing with um, a lot of similar issues I deal with, anxiety, fear, and he had a major depression problem. And, um, my dad only had a 10th grade education, so he always felt everybody was looking down at him, but it wasn't true. I mean, he was a very, uh, strong person, uh, man, and people looked up to him, but he just didn't see it. And, um, so the depression really took hold. Um, he had to be admitted to a psychiatric ward for a while. And, uh, back in those days, they used, uh, the electric uh, shock treatments. And um, I didn't understand that. I was too young, but uh, I could tell everything was different because we, we were uh, being taken care of by friends and neighbors for a while just to stay out of the line of fire, I guess. And even when he came out of the hospital for a long time, it was really uh, difficult in our household. Um, there, there was a lot of stress and fighting. And it wasn't that my mom and dad were fighting each other. It was my mom trying to console him because of his stress issues in regards to his work. And he was a very responsible man. He took care of us. Uh, that was his goal in life was to take care of us, but it became so overwhelming to him, um, because of his insecurities. And my mom was always trying to point out, you know, the truth that he didn't see. And, um, he would argue back, and as a child, and our house was small. We don't, it was only like a seven hundred and fifty square foot house, and um, I would lay in my bed at night, almost every night, with my stomach hurting and shaking. And I'd get up in the morning, and I would have this fear of just walking into the day. I think those those issues developed my fear issues for my life. As as I you know worked through uh, these issues this was what caused you know the start of my fear and anxieties and low self-esteem issues during that fourth grade uh, time period fifth grade i fell behind because of the just uh, i couldn't focus i got distracted with home issues i couldn't focus and before that i did well in school it was easy for me and after that i felt like once i got behind i felt like everybody else was ahead of me and then I, that worked against my low self-esteem issues. And it was, just, it was a vicious circle. And it just continued. Uh, junior high school was horrible. Um, went into 10th grade. And it was pretty bad, too. But uh, I finally decided I've got to do something here. And I started t- taking control of things. I figured out how I could um, get around some of these issues. Uh, feelings of insecurity by controlling events around me, so I became very controlling about everything, including other people. My relationship with my mother was really good. I mean, we were close through her whole life. Um, we could talk about things that I couldn't talk about to anybody else. I really appreciate that, And um, but my dad, there was just hardly any contact. I never heard him tell me he was proud of me or... I knew he loved me because of the way he uh, took care of us and sacrificed himself, but never said the words and, um, didn't come to most of my ball games or I was in music in high school and that wasn't his thing either. So I always felt like, you know, kind of felt like I was a disappointment to him a bit. And, um, interestingly, um, As I got older, got married, and got into my career, and I started traveling to Asia for my work. And the first time I ever felt like he was proud of me was when I called him from Korea the first time. This was back in 1985 when you didn't have cell phones. You could barely get through. It was was awful back in those days. But um, I could tell in his voice that he was really excited and proud of me for the first time out of all those years. And, you know, I appreciate it, but he had changed too. He became a much softer and, and gentler person a more secure person by then.
2: So you mentioned that when you were young that your mom had you in church mm-hmm. whenever the doors were open and yep. all that stuff. So would you, did you have a God experience as a young person? And did that follow you into adulthood mm-hmm. as you went to college and so forth? Did you maintain that? Would you say that you became a Christian as a young person or was it later?
1: When I was... 15 in junior high school, I had an uh, older friend who was a very strong Christian, and he took me to a, um, a Baptist church, and they had an altar call, and I went up, and that was probably when I really uh, started down the real road of, you know, making that real decision for myself. You know?
2: Okay. So, whenever you were in college, and even into your career, did mm-hmm. you continue to go to church? How was your relationship with Christ at that point?
1: when I was in college yeah I was kind of drifting okay. I was definitely drifting and um, right out of college I got married we tried different churches uh, sh- she was kind of came from the same background from uh, kind of a very vanilla type of church service as well and so we didn't have this really strong foundation I don't I didn't feel but we we knew that we probably should go to church and then we we found a church and we got involved in it was Presbyterian, and we both got involved in the music program. Um, I, got, I started teaching. That was very out of character for me, very out of character. And uh, I thought, what am I going to do? I don't know anything about the Bible that much. And uh, getting up in front of people and trying to teach people was not in my wheelhouse at all, period. So you got through college,
2: mm-hmm. and you start you got a job, and where you you were already married. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. So so started doing some traveling with your job yeah. and that sort of thing. So what happened with the with the marriage with your first wife?
1: Well, we had two children. I have two daughters. Okay. Uh, they're in their forties and um, uh, now. So. Uh, we were married 30 years.
2: 30 years? Yeah. That's a long time. Yep. So how did the, I mean, what was the straw that broke the camel's back on the, on the marriage?
1: First of all, I want to make clear that I take full responsibility for the things that happened because I didn't go to God and um, uh, let Him work out the issues that was between my wife and I. And I tried to do it myself. The mistake I made there was, with my um, ex-wife, was I didn't put the effort into her that I should have. And I didn't um, go to God and say, you know, I'm having these feelings or not feelings. You know, I need you to show me, walk me through this and teach me. And I didn't do that. And that that was a huge mistake. I had an affair. It was me. I wanted out. I wanted to change my life. Yeah. And, um, I did.
2: And where was God in all of that?
1: I was still going to church, still involved in different things, but, um, it was almost like I had these two lives going on. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So how was the divorce? Now I've been divorced and it was one of the worst things in my life that happened. Was it a a messy, was it hard with your kids? I mean, how did they accept all of that? And
1: my girls were just very disappointed with me and, um, you know, um, it just once once that happens it pretty much you know destroys a marriage yeah you know? yeah so and that, and that was 100% my fault
2: so how's your relationship with your kids now are they still
1: is it all good we uh, are very close now extremely close now and um, uh, there's a lot of love So, um, Annie, were you working
2: at Walmart? That's where we kind of left off Mm -hmm. with you. And were you a vendor for Walmart or were you working for Walmart as well?
1: I was working for Walmart. Actually, Annie and I knew each other for years prior to us getting together. She was, uh, uh, in Taiwan. I was here. I was at the time I was doing product development for, uh, a big company in the area. And, um, obviously Walmart, she's already mentioned that. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, you know, I would I would uh, develop the product uh, designs, and I would send them to her, and she would execute them into a, f- a sample over there, and she would be the negotiator with them, and um, did an outstanding job. Um, so th- that's how we met.
2: So, how did you guys start uh, getting together as far as dating? And did you guys was it a long courtship, or yeah. did it happen pretty quick, or what it wasn't happened? Long? She <laughs> thought it was long. I didn't think it was very long.
1: <laughs> so what is long or short yeah. for either one yeah. of you?
2: Ever? A um, year? Did you date for a year? Yeah, or was it, yeah. yeah it was more than that. More than so, that, yeah. 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 So.
0: When I first met Steve, falling in love with him was because I felt like he's the protector that I never had in my life. I see the discipline in him, the security that I never had in my life. So that attracted me. And I felt like someone who care about me and protect me and treat me like a princess. And that was the strength and attribute to make me attracted to him. However, that was become obstacle. And that was become something to uh, bring the problem to our marriage too.
2: So you guys get married and <laughs> you both have been married before right. and you both have your own stuff, your baggage, the things that you're bringing in. So was when was the honeymoon over? You know, they always talk about, hey, we had our first fight and a honeymoon. Or, I mean, did, it, did you guys were things, cake and cookies for, for the first year or did something happen quickly or when, when did you start uh, bringing some of these dysfunctions and baggage into it?
0: Probably too the first um after the first year first year yeah so i you know i grew up in that dysfunctional family and also my parents never protected me so i always have this uh trusting issue to the authorities and steve is uh he's older than me and he's much protected and then i love that but i also resist that and I want to have a independence in my life, and then also I don't trust men. I didn't trust men, and and I see my parents' relationship. They always my mom always hiding something from my dad because he will, if she didn't hide the money from him, he's going to lose it all, and we won't have any food on the table. So that's what I learned that I will always have my safety money, my rainy money hidden away. So um, it, it would be a challenge for me to tell Steve everything. And also that was a challenge for him that he didn't feel the transparency between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then later on, that protection become controlling to me, and I feel I'm suffocating in this relationship. I don't have any liberty even go out by myself, yeah.
2: So, did you communicate that to Steve, or did you hold it in?
0: I hold it in until, until something happened. Push the button, and I will blow up. Like, I will blow up, and then we will get into the big fight. When we are, when we were mm-hmm. together, we have a passionate, like we're the best buddy in the war, and there was a lot of romantic between us but when we fight that was like cats and dogs too wow. yeah so it's very intense it was very intense yeah yeah
2: mm-hmm. so steve why don't you comment how was yeah. that Did, so after the first year things were you get into a normal rhythm but then there were some started having some issues there
1: well um i brought in a lot of issues into the marriage. Um, obviously i was still under a lot of stress uh so i I started taking um a uh anti-anxiety medication which i really didn't know a whole lot about but um found out later it was an addicting benzo um yeah and um that medication i was always um uh, always looked at when i did things and said things i always kind of looked at how's this going to affect, um, the situation, that pill took it away. I didn't care. And that changed my, me, it changed me. And I didn't know that at the time, but that was one thing I brought into, uh, the marriage, but the controlling issue, my anger issues, um, were, uh, also there. And when I couldn't control her and she wasn't going to be controlled, I mean, it was, so I met my match, let's put it that way, <laughs> and uh, I wasn't going to be controlled, she wasn't going to be controlled, and um, it really escalated into, by 2009, we were, the the tension, and it was, like she said, when things were good, it was really good, when things were bad, it was really bad, and you just can't keep going on like that, and um, uh In 2009, uh, and at that point, I'd already started drinking alcohol, too, because the stress of what was going on with us, the stress of what was going on with work, um, honestly, the guilt and shame of my divorce and the uh, affair that I had um, was all playing into that, I believe. And so I started drinking alcohol because the benzo wasn't working as well as it was when it first started taking it. And I found out later, both of those things affect the same part of the brain, and uh, it was like the double whammy. And um, when I was drinking alcohol, um, I, I was not Steve. I was somebody else. And uh, so, uh, in 2009, um, it was in September, and uh, we got into a huge fight. Um, I will It doesn't. The details don't matter. But we got into a huge fight, and it escalated not only verbal, but it got physical. Uh, neighbors called the police. They came, and I went to jail. Mm. And um, for a guy who only had two traffic tickets in his whole life, going to jail was not me. <laughs> it was the worst experience of my life. Um, that was my bottom. Yeah, that was definitely my bottom. So yeah, I ended up in jail. She uh, she bought a ticket to go back to Taiwan. Even transferred money already before oh. I even got out of jail. I was only in there like one night. So. That uh, was bad enough, and um, interestingly, um, you know, my and my. I was talking. The court wouldn't let me talk to Annie uh, because of the situation, but I was talking to my daughter. My daughter, Shelley, said, "Dad, Annie's going back to Taiwan. She's not going to see her again." And I was devastated. I was talk about the lowest point of your life. I mean, I just, yeah, and you're in you're in a place where you have zero control about anything, and Um, it was uh, really tough and when I got out she was still here and um, I'll let her tell you exactly why she made the decision not to go at
0: that point. So all things happen like flashback to me my parents marriage my childhood and also my previous marriage and I just tell me this is my destiny and I'm broken I and a broken person, I would never deserve a perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it's probably better for me to live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and then that's the only way I know how to resolve a problem is to run away from the problem. But yeah. you didn't. Right.
2: <laughs> what was the, what, what changed your mind?
0: So, uh, That time, 2009, we were very involved in the fellowship. And so I decided somehow God get a hold of me unconsciously. I didn't pray, but he got a hold of me unconsciously. So um, I decided to talk with pastors before I leave. And so I went to talk with Chips and Mark Schatzman. And then they they knew they were very understandable. What happened? They were very understandable of the situation, and they gave me a lot of comfort. However, there was one question sticking me. So he said that Annie, did you try God's way? I was like, no. And so I decided, you know, in in that point, at that point, the rest of my life, I was running away from problem and try to resolve the problem by myself. So that time, I decided I'd give God a try. And so I drove home in the car. I talked to God I said, okay, I'm going to try your way, but I give you 90 days. You only have 90 days. If things not happen, I'm out of here.
2: So you gave God <laughs> an ultimatum.
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was very elegant (laughs) i'm sorry it was very elegant and yeah so so. what
2: happened he comes home you're still there Mm -hmm. and and
1: well steve you said that you
2: said that you reached your low and so what what happened you're there i mean where did you go from there
1: now well there was a restraining order Mm -hmm. and that began a almost a year-long uh legal situation right and um I were you to, living I, apart we were or living apart. Okay. And, uh, eventually they, uh, allowed us to, to live back together. And, um, uh, it wasn't easy at, at first. We still had, you know, issues. Mm-hmm. I was still controlling and, you know, those thing's just didn't go away because I hit bottom. Uh, but it woke me up to start figuring out what went wrong and what I, what I needed to do. And, um, uh, it became clear that, um, you know, I had, I needed to change, but God started speaking to me in a lot of different ways. Um, interestingly, um, I, I did a lot of things, uh, to try to get on the right path. I went to, um, a, uh, chemical addiction facility, uh, outpatient, uh, did that for six weeks every night. And, um, I was, uh, Obviously, I joined Celebrate Recovery, which I wasn't sure what I was walking into at the time. I thought it was for hardcore drug and alcohol users, and it wasn't for me. But uh, talk about perfect example of denial. That was me, definitely in denial. Um, So uh, Annie and I talked, and she said, I want you to go. And I said, yeah, I I need to go. And um, I also did some other things. We also got into counseling, uh, personal Mm -hmm. counseling. I went uh, she was going by herself mm-hmm. first while we were separate, and then I started going by myself for a while. And then we went to as a marriage counselor uh, at Fellowship too. Uh, really great organization, really helped so much. But um, but I still had the controlling issues. And um, another thing that happened was uh, it was really tough. I was I had it was the controlling, but it was also codependency issues too. I could not be separated from her. Because I there was so much insecurity at this point about her leaving, because every time we'd get into a fight, she would threaten to leave. Mm-hmm. She even had a go bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so was, I found out later; I didn't know at the time. <laughs> I would have probably hid, hid that. <laughs> but um, I was very insecure about that, and I, you know, I just didn't want our marriage at the end. I really wanted to to make it work. I loved her, so I wanted to make it work, even though we had these differences and. Um, but I kept pulling her back and she kept pulling away and God told me, he said, you need to release her. And I started letting go of my controlling and the more I let go, the closer she came.
2: So Annie, tell me about, so as he starts realizing some of these things, when did you start realizing, what changed in you? Because, you know, you had a to-go bag. So, what started changing for you that you started thinking, okay, I need to start working on my Mm -hmm. issues? What were what were some of the things that you were struggling with that you learned?
0: So, I started to think, is this for real, or he just doing this to keep me? And if it's just changing from outside in, this won't last. And also at the same time, I took a month of listen from work a month of absent from work. And in that month, I get close to God. I started to reading the Bible. I started to reading his word. And he was showing me he sees everything. He sees me. He sees my childhood. He sees what struggle I went through. And he also showed me love. And I was reading that story about the sinful woman used you know, wash Jesus' feet with their long hair. I felt that was me. And I felt that alabar alabar jar with what I can offer to Jesus. I didn't have nothing to offer. And I was, my tear went up, and I felt God's love. I felt Jesus was holding me. And I smelled that perfume in, in the sunroom. I was alone there, and that wasn't my perfume. And that's just God's promise. that just Jesus' commitment to me that he will never leave me and forsake me. I'm in his hand. And I just need to walk through the steps with him. So it wasn't like switch, turn on or turn off. It's a process. But I immediately felt him, felt Jesus' His love for me, and he's going to take me through this, if I willing to, if I willing to, and I say yes, and then we started to go to CR, and yeah, of course I started seeing my issues, yeah, and finding the security to, you know, my security. We talked about earlier, my security was money, power, status. And now, now my security is Jesus. So that totally changed me, and and now and also see the different perspective of marriage. Marriage is not fulfill my need. Marriage is not to uh, make my dream come true, or help me escape my nightmare mm-hmm. to a new life. Marriage is what God created for one man and one woman, committed to each other and to live in the marriage life to glorify God. He made, how do I say this? He made our marriage like a new and Steve treated me so well. He is the leader of the the family and he showed me what godly man is. I'm so grateful because it break the chain. My chain was broke. And I'm not the victim of that broken marriage, comma, anymore. What is marriage about? It's about God is the center of this marriage.
2: Yeah. So what do you believe about yourself now?
0: I am a daughter of God, no doubt. Yeah. That's my true identity. Yeah.
2: Amen. Well, I agree completely with that. Well, Annie, what would you tell uh, a woman... Uh, or anybody, for that matter. What would you say to someone who says, "I'm I'm broken. Uh, I can't be fixed. There's nothing. There's nothing that can be done. And I'm in I'm in this this pattern of unhealthiness. How do I get out of that? What would you What would you share to the person that that's in a, a bad place right now?
0: You know, when the situation looked like that, that really made us feel like there was no way out. And it maybe there is no way out. However, there is one true God. When I cry out to Him, and He has a plan. It's like a Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, my plan is to give you hope and future. And just have to be willing to. Be willing to. And it might take a longer. It's just, you know, willing is my decision. But rest is God's decision. Um, I can say there is hope. However, maybe a lot of people in this situation, they will say, you don't know how bad it is. There is really no hope. I tried many times. But willing to trust God. And God always has a way, too. even, Even I gave him the limitation for 90 days. He didn't strike me. He didn't put a lighting strike me. He took me through. He took me through. But I want to say, when the situation looked like there was no way out, quiet out to God, really quiet out to God. And the only thing enemy come to get us is to isolate us, to let us think that is you. There is no hope. You are by yourself. You are alone by yourself, and nobody will understand you. That is a lie. That's a big, fat lie that we need to break.
2: Amen. Mm -hmm. Good word, Annie. So, Steve, same question. What would you tell the person that's listening that's in a bad place right now?
1: You've got to surrender, number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Surrender your situation to God, and then take action. Uh, Get involved. Get counseling. get Get a home church. Uh, get involved in a program like Celebrate Recovery. Um, and um, I had read a, an article about the survival of marriages based on circumstances like this. And our marriage rated a 2% survival rate. And God changed that. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's possible. And yes. He does it.
2: Amen, Steve. Change is possible. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us. Hey, if you are listening today and the baggage from your past is stinking up your life and possibly the life of others around you, if you are struggling with your marriage and you think there is no hope, well, there is always hope through Jesus Christ, our higher power. And just as Steve said, the first step is surrender and God is waiting for you to take that first step because if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.